Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the Sign My Bills edition. This week, we're explaining why the Ohio National Guard could be headed to a hospital near you, whether recreational marijuana will be on the ballot in 2022, all the ways Ohio's liquor laws are about to change, and the new rules for abortion providers. This week, I'm joined remotely by legislative reporter and resident DeWine whisperer, Jesse Ballmer. Welcome back, Jesse. Thanks. That's quite the title there. (laughs) So let's start with the bad news. Uh, COVID cases are spiking again, and hospitals are short-staffed again, so Governor Mike DeWine announced he was sending in the National Guard to help hospitals meet their staffing needs, especially those in Northeast Ohio. Places like the Cleveland Clinic have stopped performing elective surgeries. And so, you know, one of the questions I keep hearing is, why not do more? Why not do a mask mandate? Why not push harder for vaccines? You know, what, what's on DeWine's mind this week, you think? Yeah, I know in the beginning, DeWine uh, shut down a number of things. He closed schools. He um, placed restrictions on businesses, which ones could be open. I'm sure everyone can recall not getting a haircut for several months there. Um, There was a mask mandate at a certain point. And once he started to pull some of those things off, he really hasn't been interested in putting any of them back on. Um, Part of that is because of some legislation passed by Ohio's Republican-controlled legislature, which would make it kind of hard to put on um, certain restrictions. But I think also Mike DeWine's philosophy has been give people the information, plead with them, and they will do the right thing, and that being, you know, obtain a COVID vaccine or, you know, maintain social distance or if you're wash your hands and stay home if you are sick, things like that. So it's more of an education campaign at this point. Yeah, there really haven't been any restrictions placed on by the state of Ohio in quite some time. There really haven't been a lot of actions taken by the state of Ohio until, you know, this moving of the National Guard to assist with hospitals that are really facing some staffing challenges, particularly in Northeast Ohio, which is being hit hard. Yeah. And, but it's not all doctors and nurses, right? Like most of the 1,050 National Guardsmen being called up are actually going to be support staff, sort of getting food, cleaning the hospital, running patients, that kind of thing. Yeah, I think when you have those people in those roles, then you can free up time for doctors and nurses and everyone else to do their jobs. So 2022 is shaping up to be a big election year for Ohio. We've got a U.S. Senate race, a governor's race, and now we might be voting on whether to legalize recreational marijuana. The coalition to regulate marijuana like alcohol submitted more than 200,000 signatures to the Secretary of State this week. That's about 68,000 more than they need to get. And that's a pretty good sign. It's a healthy margin, which makes me think it could actually qualify. Yeah, this one will be interesting and certainly one to watch. I mean, I think as those who watch ballot initiatives know, you need to collect way more signatures than the actual threshold needed to get something on the ballot because 
you know, some of them, the signatures won't match or the addresses won't match. There always seems to be some problem or another um, when signature collection gets involved. So we'll see. The next step is seeing if these signatures meet the threshold and there's going to be a few more steps before um, this is something that would actually hit Ohio's ballot. But it would be an interesting topic to have on the 2022 um, kind of ticket along with that U.S. Senate race and governor's race that you mentioned before. Yeah, and considering uh, the Republican Senate president, Matt Huffman, has been pretty vocal about his dislike for uh, recreational cannabis. And he's actually once said to me, like, we, like the legislature would pass it over his dead body. But, you know, sometimes the, the lawmakers have actually gone in and written legislation in anticipation of a ballot initiative. And I'm, I'm really curious to see where this goes. If it looks like it's headed for the ballot and whether Huffman would want to try and control that narrative or just let it go to the voters. Yeah, I think most political observers know that medical marijuana likely wouldn't have happened in Ohio if not for pressure from ballot groups and state lawmakers wanting to control that process instead. And so uh, Ohio has a long history. Ohio lawmakers have a long history of being kind of forced into decisions by ballot initiatives. And speaking of intoxicants, if you like to brew your own beer, you're going to be happy about a Bill DeWine signed into law this week. Actually, if you like alcohol of any kind, you're probably going to be a fan of Senate Bill 102. Um, this started as a homebrew law, but it became more of an alcohol language cleanup bill. So it, it does a bunch of stuff. First, it lowers the age that you can be to serve alcohol from 19 to 18. Um, it weirdly allows you to use a gift card on booze at a restaurant. So apparently Ohio had a law where if you have a restaurant gift card, only 30% of it could be spent on alcohol. I really don't know how well that was enforced, but apparently now it's legal to blow the whole card on booze. Um, it <laughs> makes it legal to share your homebrew beer with other folks at like events and competitions and it expands the number of designated outdoor drinking areas or DORAs in cities across the state. It's really got like a little bit of everything. Yeah, what I found most interesting about this bill was the Sunday sales aspect, which was really the part that threatened to hold the whole thing up at a certain point. Um, and it really reduces the number of signatures needed to put a Sunday sales issue before voters down to 50 votes. 50 signatures, which is, you know, significantly lower than what is required now. And it just kind of shows the shift that Ohio has made from some of its, you know, prohibition era roots to, you know, being more accepting of things like Dora or Sunday sales or medical marijuana. The Sunday sale part got a lot of pushback during testimony when I was following the bill. But, you know, some of it came from people who are obviously going to be hurt by this. Uh, one guy who testified runs a company that helps uh, stores across the state get these Sunday sales initiatives on the ballot and making it a lot easier probably means he's going to make a lot less money. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting if voters are voting on a lot of these the next time it comes up. Yeah. And fun fact, 50 is the number of signatures that you need to run for the state legislature. So that's how they landed on that number. They just didn't like pull it out of the air. They were like, if I need 50 votes to get on the ballot, why shouldn't other things? 
it seems low, don't you think? Like, it seems like a very low number to become a state lawmaker. But Yeah, I mean, I think you got to win your election, which is kind of where the legislature came down on this Sunday sales thing. Like, it can be easier to get on the ballot, but if folks in your town don't want Sunday sales, then they just don't want Sunday sales. Yeah, that makes sense. And so then the governor also signed a new law about abortions this week. And, you know, I think there are so many uh, pieces of abortion legislation, both currently in the legislature and have gone through the legislature in, say, the last decade. So um, I know this is an issue that you follow closely. So kind of where are we at and what's going to be new when this becomes law? Yeah, so this particular bill is called the Born Alive Protection Act, and initially the proposal was going to require doctors to care for not only just the life, but also the health of an infant who is born alive after a botched abortion. Now, there is some question about how frequently this occurs in Ohio, because Ohio already bans abortion after 20 weeks gestation, and some of the earliest born infants are surviving at maybe 21 weeks in a, in a few days. And so it's it's not clear how often this even comes up. Um, but the bill was expanded pretty dramatically to include some restrictions that could threaten two abortion clinics, one in Cincinnati and one in Dayton. And both of these clinics are operating on a thing called a variance. Essentially, Ohio law requires abortion clinics to partner with a local private hospital in the case of an emergency. But if you can't do that, you can get this exception called a variance to partner with a handful, usually about four doctors locally, who are willing to you know, assist in case of an emergency. So both of these clinics have been operating under a variance, and there have been various attempts to reject that variance or, or you know, kind of tie it up. And so if this law takes effect in 90 days, then there's the possibility there will be a lawsuit to try to block it. But if it does take effect, that's certainly, you would imagine, um, an opportunity to try to close those clinics or at the very least the surgical abortions performed there. And that's because those doctors happen to teach, right? At public universities, that's, that's how they're closing this loophole thing doctors who teach or draw some sort of public salary can't provide this variance to these clinics? Yeah, so that's the language. And it's pretty clear that the Women's Med in Dayton has doctors affiliated with its variance that have some connection to um, right state, either the actual university or, you know, physician groups with it. And Ohio has rules against providing taxpayer dollars for abortion. That's not allowed. And so I think for Republican lawmakers, this is an extension of that. We don't want public money to go towards abortions in Ohio. Um, But if you're on the other side, this is just one more hurdle that abortion clinics need to go through to function in Ohio and provide that service. And one more thing before you go off to celebrate Christmas, if that's what you celebrate. Um, if you have a family member in a nursing home, soon it's going to be legal for you to place a camera inside their room. Um, it's called Esther's Law, and it's named after a guy named Steve Piscor's mom. Her name was Esther, and about a decade ago, he uncovered the abuse she was suffering at the hands of her own nursing home aides by putting a camera inside her room. 
And, you know, this bill had been around the state house for, I guess, a few years. But I think the pandemic made it feel really urgent to folks because they were literally locked away from their loved ones for months at a time. Certainly. And I think it's an opportunity for people to just be able to keep an eye on their loved ones and, you know, just have that peace of mind. It was a bipartisan bill, so it's a good one to end on. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like KashoctonTribune.com. That's C-O-S-H-O-C-T-O-N-Tribune.com. 